Power, however, is is very objective. I mean, it is what it is. You can either do it or you cannot. Um, regardless of what your heart rate or your rate of perceived exertion is, power is basically constant. That Triathlon Show, episode 38. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. As always, I'm your host, Michael, and on today's episode, I have somebody with me for the interview from a company that I admire a lot, and uh, I'm a big advocate of their product. It's Trainer Road. I mentioned it in the past. It's a software for indoor bike training, power-based bike training, but you don't need a power meter. You can get by just with a cheap cadence and speed sensor to get a virtual power and reap all the benefits of power-based training, which we'll go into in more detail on the interview. Anyway, one thing that I want to make sure that I mention is that uh, I'm not in any way affiliated with Trainer Road, but uh, part of my goal with this podcast is to bring you information about uh, products and um, other things, services that I love and use myself, and they have helped me in my triathlon development, and I hope that by bringing awareness about these great products to you i can help some of you have that same kind of development and by using using those products so another one that i've been promising to bring you an update on is stride the running power meter i won't give you a big update now but uh, suffice it to say that i absolutely love the stride running power meter at least as much as i expected to to be honest and i had high expectations for it otherwise i wouldn't have bought it but uh, it's been it's been fantastic in my latest race which was the natwest island games on gotland sweden this past weekend by the time of this recording at the end of june i had a very tough running course uh, or we all had and uh, I had a really, really great run, my best triathlon run ever, I would say, on a very tough course with a long one-plus-kilometer climb. And uh, the stride running power meter was uh, fantastic to keep me in check on that on that run, and, uh, and it helped me then blast past people on those flats and the downhill sections of the course just by preserving my energy a bit and and uh, distributing my power more evenly than most other competitors did. So I think I... I advanced from uh, by at least 12 positions and and was one of the fastest running times in in that race which was pretty competitive so I was very happy with that and uh, the stride running power meter has uh, been something that I've been really enjoying and a bigger update is to follow at a later stage but some of you have been asking about that already so I thought I wanted to give you a short update. Anyway, that's enough of an intro. Let's meet Chad Timmerman, head coach of Trainer Road and talk about effective power-based cycling training. Enjoy. All right, on today's interview on that triathlon show, we have Chad Timmerman, who is the head coach of Trainer Road as our guest. Welcome to the show, Chad. Uh, thank you, Mikhail. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So can you fill the listeners in first on who you are, and then we'll move on to Trainer Road, what that is and, and what you can do with that? Sure. I'm the head coach for Trainer Road. Um, I've been coaching athletes since uh, a little over 11 years now. 
And then uh, as I've also been an endurance athlete in some form or another since uh, about 1995, so a little over 20 years now. And uh, Trainer Road is uh, the company that you work at. And what do you Correct. do exactly? I am the head coach at Trainer Road. So I'm one of the, uh, the two founding members. And uh, I also basically helm everything that has to do with uh, conditioning or uh, workout programming or creating of training plans, anything along those lines. Yeah, perfect. And uh, I've, I've mentioned Trainer Road several times on uh, on this podcast before, so some listeners may be familiar with it. I actually know that some some listeners have uh, talked about using Trainer Road themselves, uh, which I do as well for my training. And uh, it's uh, a software that you can use for cycling training indoors with with a trainer and and train with power, effective training basically. And and you get different workouts. So you can choose from entire training plans that Chad put together, and we'll have some links and uh, and also some screenshots in the show notes uh put things out there so that people can have a look at that and if you have some video that you can send us about how it all works then that would be great as well but uh sure, sure. yeah perfect so but essentially one thing that i want to make clear to the listeners because uh, some people might think that it's not for them because you train with power i just mentioned that but you don't need a power meter do you to use trainer road no, it's not necessary. So we have something called virtual power, which is our, our proprietary method of uh, basically calculating your power based on the trainer that you're using, the, the speed to power curve for each individual trainer. Yeah, and uh, they're pretty accurate. And anyway, if they're not exactly on point, then it's still consistent from day to day in your exactly. own training. Yeah, exactly right. So, so essentially, the investment that you're looking at if you want to get started training with power is... The cost of a speed sensor and a cadence sensor and the trainer road itself that's about right yep yep and that it would be just to fill the listeners in i think that when i started i bought that for 60 euros for the speed and cadence sensor and trainer road is uh, i believe 10 11 dollars per month or something like that 12 dollars 12 dollars per month or i think our annual is uh 99 uh, could, yeah could i think be wrong we think it's 90 yeah yeah so it's okay. uh, very cheap and, and it's probably one of the best investments that I've made for sure because it's made now I use a power meter as well. So even when I'm training outside, I can train with power. But but th- this was my first uh, foray into training with power when I started with Trainer Road. And definitely it, uh, it makes a massive difference, the amount of preciseness that you can have in your training and how much you can you can develop your fitness through that. So why don't you... Tell us a little bit more about why training with power is uh, is so effective and uh, preferable to any other and sure. any other thing that you can train by. Sure, and, and basically our metrics are you know, uh, RPE, so rate of perceived exertion. Sorry, heart rate, and then power. And uh, our RPE is, is super useful, but it has to be built on a basis of experience. So you have to have a lot of experience with training in general. So RPE uh, comes along with time, but it's kind of a hard thing to establish. Heart rate is subjective. It just changes based on far too many variables for the training load to be consistent. For us to prescribe workouts based on heart rate, uh, we run into a lot of issues, day-to-day fluctuations, athlete-to-athlete fluctuations, all the things that can affect heart rate. Power, however, is is very objective. I mean, it is what it is. You can either do it or you cannot. Um, Regardless of what your heart rate or your rate of perceived exertion is, power is, is basically constant. So when we assess fitness and we get an idea of what you can do and we base everything on what's called functional threshold power or basically our power or your max lactate steady state, once we get a feel for that, we can uh, scale all the workouts accordingly and then basically reassess and then rescale. 
Yeah, and uh, so, so essentially, you you uh, get to the prescription of workouts based on on that percentage. So so if you have a an FTP of let's say two hundred watts, then your training your workouts will look like something like that. You warm up at a certain percentage, maybe fifty percent mm-hmm. of of your FTP, and then you have some intervals that are at some other percentage. Let's say, for argument's sake, ninety percent. So that would be at one hundred eighty watts. So the same workout can be applied to any any athlete, regardless of their fitness ability, because you work on those percentages of of FTP and work the exactly. same energy systems that that way. So uh, and the, yeah, as you mentioned, you have a lot, a ton of workouts. How many workouts do you have in inside of Trainer Road? Uh, I stopped counting, but I'm pretty sure the workout catalog is somewhere, uh, it's well over a thousand. I know that probably closer to 13 or 1400 workouts. Yeah. And, and the training plans that you ha- have are, there are a lot, a lot of them as well, but you have uh, training plans for triathletes specifically. So let's yes. start talking about that. You have for all the different distances, but also uh, different phases of uh, the season. Exactly. So we we break it down in, in a number of ways. First off, we periodize based on a, a traditional periodization model. So we'll start with base and then we move to build conditioning and then we move to specialty training. And then within that, we also, or I have broken these down into disciplines. So sprint, triathlon, Olympic, and then half distance and full distance. And then even within that, we kind of, or I break it down even further based on the amount of training time you have to dedicate each week. So there's a low volume, a mid volume, and a high volume version of all of those plans. Yeah. Okay. That's perfect. And uh, let's start with the periodization, uh, the base build and specialty. What uh, distinguishes those different phases from each other? Basically, it just gets, uh, we're, we're building more general fitness and then working towards very specific fitness. So in the earlier phases, in the base phases, you'll see things that are more about building work capacity. And then the build phase basically grows that work capacity. And then when we get to the specialty phase, we start to hone the fitness to make it really specific to the types of events. So if you're doing a sprint, you're going to see very different training in that specialty phase than you would during the, uh, or than you would compare to say like a half Ironman or an Ironman specialty phase. But when you're back in the base phase, you'll see a lot of overlap between the four different uh, events. Yeah. So let's dive a bit deeper into that. So what would the base phase look like? Is, if that's fairly similar to all, so let's start talking about that just broadly, regardless of distance. Sure. Yeah. So the big concern is, is fostering aerobic capacity. And most of the training plans, especially if you're indoor, it's kind of assumed that you don't have a ton of time to play with. So you, know, you can go about building that aerobic capacity with you know short, hard efforts that, that really tax the aerobic system, or you can do the whole long, slow approach. But the long, slow approach assumes that you have a heck of a lot of time. Most of our athletes don't. And even if they do, there's still a lot of benefit to be garnered from using those shorter, harder efforts. I mean, then, and then within, say, you know, the sprint versus the half Ironman, there might be small discrepancies, but we're still mostly concerned with fostering those basics, that, that aerobic base, some muscular strength, and a pretty heavy emphasis on form work. What are a couple of example workouts that you would do within this period? Uh, depending on the phase or on the, on the discipline, there's typically some VO2 max work. So some short two and three minute efforts at anywhere from 110, 115, even 120% of that functional threshold power. I mean, then there'll be something that's a little more dedicated toward muscular endurance. So sweet spot work right around 90% of threshold. And those will be longer efforts, maybe ranging probably from about six minutes. And in, in the base phase, they could grow as high as maybe 15 minutes. I don't know if we get up into 20s quite so early. Yeah, and that, that's for intervals. And then you also have those long rides uh, are generally mm-hmm. quite a long time, just around about that that sweet spot uh, intensity exactly. for a long duration. Yeah. yeah, so those longer rides, we might cut it down even a little below sweet spot and put it more in the endurance range, which is anywhere from 
about 60 to 80 percent threshold typically yeah yeah okay yeah uh, i seem to remember some but yeah they were still below sweet spot but around that higher end of the endurance so maybe 80 whereas sweet spot would be the 85 to 90 percent anyway they, they seem fairly hard in let's say let's put it like this the, the general consensus among many cyclists is that the long ride will be a four or five hour ride on a sunday but your long rides in the base phase are not like that they they can be 90 minutes and then have a mm-hmm. a fairly high intensity that 80 percent or or 75 percent or something like that of of ftp so yeah. so that you still exactly yeah we, we assume or i assume that people don't necessarily want to spend long periods of time when they're indoors so we kind of compensate by nudging up the intensity a little bit and there's always an option of heading outdoors and doing longer work longer slower work and try to accumulate that high mileage but again the assumption is that uh, athletes don't have a ton of time to dedicate to training and if they do good for them they can always substitute any workout that uh, you know should their schedule allow it they can they can make substitutions yeah, I think you're spot on there. I get tons of emails from athletes saying that they're short on time, but uh, I don't remember getting a single email where an athlete has said that I have a lot of time. What should I do with this extra time that I have? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Okay, so what about the build phase then when we get a bit further into the season? This is where it starts to diverge a bit more between the different uh, goal race distances, I guess. Exactly. Yeah, so so again, you know, we're still assuming there's a, a bit of a restriction on training time, so there'll still be some focus on on high-intensity work. And I think high-intensity work has a place year-round. You can always sprinkle some in a little more heavily depending on the discipline. But uh, this is where uh, if, say, you're doing a sprint versus full Ironman, you might see short VO2 max efforts in the sprint plan, longer VO2 max efforts, and maybe fewer of them in the, in the uh, full-distance plan. In any case, it, it becomes a little more similar, but the big emphasis here is in is on increasing the overall training load. So, trying to raise basically muscular endurance and aerobic capacity. I mean, that's that's the, the two fundamentals of of triathlon racing is to have a big aerobic engine, but be able to push at a high percentage of that aerobic engine's capacity. Yeah. So you mentioned they're increasing training load. So let's talk a bit about the volume of the plans. You have the mm-hmm. low, mid, and high volume. So so what kind of volumes are we talking about for these? And this is the cycling component only that we're, we're talking about, of course. Sure. The low, low volume plans are three days a week. So it's like a Tuesday, Thursday, and then a Saturday. And they're all interval workouts. So again, we're trying to maximize training time. And once you move up to the mid-volume plans, those will grow to four sometimes or quite often five days on the bike a week. And then the high-volume plan adds that sixth day, giving, you know, always leaving at least one day for rest. And then the, the triathlon plans actually do incorporate swim and run workouts. They're not, I mean, they are structured, but they're not as uh, measurable as training with power. So we have to base the run workouts on RPE and pace, swim workouts entirely based on time. Yeah. Okay. And uh, this is something that that's worth mentioning as well, that yes, you, you can, when you sign up for Trainer Road and you get those entire training plan libraries, I haven't used the triathlon plans in, in their entirety myself, but uh, but I've had a good look at them and they, they look like really great places to start if you, uh, for, for general triathlon plans. So, so that's something that's worth considering that you don't get just the cycling, cycling workouts and cycling plans. Okay, so uh, going back to the the different phases, we're now past our... And also, one more question, by the way, before getting into the specialty phase. How long are these different phases? How long is the base and then the build and then the specialty? Yeah, pretty typically. The base phase is typically 12. The build is typically 8. And then the specialty is typically 8. Um, the triathlon plans differ a bit because we have the four disciplines. So I, I made the assumption that people training for a sprint triathlon often enough are new athletes. Maybe they don't have uh, 
either way, they don't need a full, while they could use a full 12 weeks of training, they maybe don't have that sort of time to dedicate. So they're a little bit accelerated and, and, and that jumps up a little bit such that, and this is only a difference in the base phase that the, uh, actually maybe that carries, it's been a while since I developed these plans, but in any case, the, the sprint plan is a little more accelerated than, than typical. The Olympic plan, not quite as accelerated, but a, you know, a little, a little truncated. And then we fall back into that whole 28 week span for both the half and the full distance plans. Right. Okay. So now finally, let's uh, talk about the specialty phase, those uh, final, final weeks of, of the entire build up to a race. So what goes into the mm-hmm. specialty phase? So those are when it's very specific, and this is where you'll see the biggest differences between the the different disciplines. So again, I use sprint and uh, full distance because they're both the opposite ends of the spectrum. But the the sprint workouts will, you know, it's it's still very much aerobic work. I mean, this is an aerobic sport. We're not running 400 meters around a track and calling it a day. It's still you're still going to be out there for you know in the ballpark of an hour for a sprint, and then you know half a day for for a full distance race. But even though it's very much aerobic. Those uh, the, the demands placed on the body are quite a bit different when you're competing for an hour versus 10 hours, and the workouts reflect that. So what are some examples that we see in this training phase, for for example, for the sprint and the full distance plan? So the sprint, the intensity of the implied intensity for the bike or the assumed intensity for the bike is going to hover around your, your functional threshold power, maybe even a little above it. So you'll see intervals where you'll work at 98% up to 105% for you know a few minutes at a time. The rest becomes minimal because we're trying to grow your, your capability to maintain that intensity for you know what's going to amount to the entire bike leg. Whereas when you, you look at the, the full distance triathlons, you know that's a that's a much different intensity level. You're going to be out on the bike from anywhere from four and a half to you know seven eight hours in some cases. In which case you're going to be working at a much lower percentage of threshold. So you'll see efforts you know, intervals, longer intervals, but the intensity will tone down to you know maybe 85, 80, 75 percent of FTP. Yeah, and what about uh, the total volume of in this part of the season in the specialty phase? Does it stay the same yeah. or decrease? Or no, this is where it trims down, and th- these are. So basically the build phase, the uh, volume is relatively high, but then it grows during the build phase. And then once we step back down into the, or once we move forward into the specialty phase, the overall volume declines a bit. Yep. Okay. And it's worth mentioning here that this is not just uh, some sort of formula that uh, Trainer Road has come up with in, or Chad has come up with in, in their plans, but it's based on based on exercise uh, science and uh, well backed by, by research, this kind of approach to training. And we talked about this in, in other episodes as well, but uh, this gives you a good example of how the bike training specifically works within that, this periodization model. So is there... Anything uh, in particular that uh, that you find that athletes tend to do the most differently before signing up for? Or what's the biggest change that athletes see when they uh, start training according to your training plans in Trainer Road compared to before? Sure. Sure. I think there's, uh, there's, there's not much of a disparity between their training intensities. I think most of them just go out and train kind of medium hard all the time. Where we try to, or I try to push the point that it's, it's vital that there, there's a big difference between your easy days and your hard days. So all those uh, interval workouts, basically, so your Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday sort of structure, those workouts hurt. I mean, they're very demanding. They ask a lot of the body, and therefore, they require a lot of recovery. So it's important that on the other days, that, that, that workload is offset with proper recovery. So those workouts are intentionally very easy, or they're rest days. Yeah, and that's something that <laughs> definitely I can attest to that, that they are hard workouts. But then again, when you 
when you really nail them then it gives you such a such a great feeling of accomplishment when when you get through those workouts and and when i first started on trainer road i mean i'm no stranger to training hard or having that polarized approach but still some of those vo2 max workouts when you go up to 27 minutes in total i think is the most that i've been to it's still something that was uh, way beyond what i had ever done before and thought beyond my capabilities but these plans will teach you how to push yourself beyond what you thought possible and obviously that's how you can grow your fitness and and expand that so so that's great and and one other thing that i think is great with many of the workouts that you have is that you actually have those sort of cues uh, like subtitles to the workouts essentially that you've written with advice uh, sometimes it's form advice sometimes it's mental advice and and those sorts of things that that keep you pushing and and not just looking at that uh, power number so um, yeah that's that's actually one of my favorite aspects of the workouts and i wish i wish i could dedicate more time to doing it but it's actually pretty time consuming but that that's the the one way that i can kind of remain or maintain a direct link with each of the riders because I, I started this where I, I would work with individual writers and I got to say all that stuff, you know, out loud verbally. Now I have to convey it in a different means because I'm dealing with far many more athletes. So and, and that's my way to do it. So it's kind of a, a bit of a tether between me as a coach and, and them as a, a coached uh, athlete. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a lot of things to, to be learned for sure from them. It's just conveyed in a very very well written way that it's simple it's short to the point but you get the point across uh, very well so so i think that that's one of my favorite parts of of the software as well anything else that you want to mention about trainer road as uh, as a software and as a tool for for triathlon training um I, I will say that we're right now working on the incorporation of outdoor rides so this is something that you can expect to see in the reasonably near future where you know you can take all your ride data from outdoor rides and of course this assumes you have a power meter but you can actually lump that into our our career page and you can track your metrics more easily whether they're indoor or outdoor yep that's and what's your general take on indoor versus outdoor training by the way for uh um, oh yeah yeah let, let's say uh, uh, Obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm a big proponent of indoor training. I, I think the quality, the ability to maintain high quality is, uh, is unprecedented. I mean, you can't really match it with an outdoor ride. You can on occasion, but you can't do it as consistently. And, you know, if you don't have a power meter, our, our virtual power offers you the opportunity to train more objectively regardless. And it, it's, like I said, it's just higher quality training. So, you know, all the obstacles and distractions that you encounter on an outdoor ride are basically removed. So it's almost a, a direct focus on quality and not much else. Yeah. Um, that, that does leave some, some wiggle room. I mean, I, I don't encourage people to, or I don't require people to simply train indoors. I recognize that we're doing all this so that we can compete and and enjoy ourselves outdoors as well. So I, I recognize that people, even if they're following strictly following a training plan, still want to get outdoors. And this is why we offer the option on those lower intensity rides, those less structured rides to actually do so, to get outside. Yeah, and uh, I'll chime in with my personal opinion that it's definitely a must for triathletes to train outside sometime and mm. do try to do those race specific workouts outside as well, because it's a bit different to try to push the power outdoors compared to indoors. But but definitely when you're trying to increase your your ftp and your your aerobic capacity and and increase the physiological aspects of your cycling then the indoor training is as you say unprecedented because you can just do that without any interruptions so that's that's my take on it uh, mostly indoors for all those physiological adaptations but some race specificity is also needed in my opinion outdoors perfectly stated yeah okay <laughs> glad that we're on the same page okay so you're also i want to 
try to dig a little bit into the science here because you uh, follow what happens in in exercise science pretty rigorously mm-hmm. and you talk about that quite a lot on your podcast which you guys at trainer road has which is the ask a cycling coach podcast anything that has come up recently that you have found interesting or in general or just want to share with listeners um yeah right now we're kind of the the hot topic and, and pun intended is is the basically the outdoor temperature so we're dealing with a lot of athletes who spend a lot of time indoors in a cool environment and then they go and compete outdoors and, and they're not heat acclimated so we're really going to start pushing that science um in the very next podcast i think we've touched on it already but that's a it's a big topic and and what's particularly interesting about it is all the other physiological adaptations that come with it so you don't just get better at dealing with heat but you actually improve fitness and improve aerobic capacity and there's a lot of other upsides to this uh, what's termed hyperthermic training so that's one thing that we're particularly keen on right now another and it's it's certainly not a new topic but is emphasis on the quality of sleep and we're trying to find ways to basically maximize our recovery during you know that that very specific downtime during sleep yeah cool and uh yeah those are topics that we've covered on the show for the interested listener sleep with matt dixon in episode 10 i believe Mm -hmm. and also episode 28 with with brad stolberg and uh then heat acclimation uh, it's it's something that we haven't talked about yet but uh definitely something that i'm looking to get some expert on the show in the future i posted about it on facebook calling it the new altitude training because it seems to be picking up so much in in popularity mm-hmm. and also the evidence is piling up that it's actually hugely beneficial uh so so that's very interesting uh good points let's dive into some rapid fire questions so okay. what's your favorite book blog or resource related to triathlon or cycling um so so for triathlon it's funny you just ma- mentioned matt dixon um i really like his well well-built triathlete book i'm a big fan of jim vance as well so like uh make his triathlon 2.0 triathlon science um he's got a, a lot of really good resources um yeah. and then when it comes to cycling basically i, I follow the same guys as matt fitzgerald andrew coggin i mean the the kind of the heavy hitters, as it were, in the uh, basically the endurance sports realm, but especially cycling. Yeah. What's your favorite piece of gear or equipment? Uh, I have to differentiate. I mean, indoors, it's it's my Wahoo kicker. Outdoors, it's kind of the the bike of the week. You know, right now I bounce back and forth between my my Yeti, which is an SB four point five, and my road bike, which is a Trek Domani SLR disc. And finally, what's a personal habit that's helped you achieve success? Probably prioritizing my sleep and then coupling that with an early rise time yep and uh you're up pretty you've been up already for a couple of hours and it's uh 8 a.m your time it was 6 a.m yeah. that you got into work yeah that's uh good so when do you go to sleep then if you um typically i'm in bed somewhere between eight and nine and i find it pretty difficult to sleep past 4 30 in the morning okay yeah well that's that if you can wake up without an alarm that's uh definitely something mm-hmm. that's uh proves that you have gotten all, all sleep you need in most cases and i'm sure that you are aware if you if you have that or not that's all that i have uh, is there anything else that okay. you want to mention or, or talk about where can the listeners find out more about uh, about you or about trainer road uh, it's just trainerroad.com and then we also have a blog at blog.trainerroad.com yeah it's very good uh, i recommend the, the listeners go there and i'll have the links in the show notes you also have a, a video that i want to mention since you didn't bring that up with uh, your fundamental training principles and and also an email series that that is also mm-hmm. very informational so that those will all be linked up to in the show notes all right thank you so much chad for being on the on the show and uh all the best for the continued development of, of trainer road and the training plans and and also for your own cycling 
girls and adventures which uh i'm always uh, interested in hearing about on your podcast which i'm <laughs> listening to a lot excellent well thanks so much for having me michael it, it was a pleasure okay no problem talk to you later bye All right. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Chad. Thank you so much to Chad for uh, taking the time to come on the interview. It's funny because it feels like I know Chad just by doing so many, so many of his workouts and seeing those, those subtitles and, and those instructions and cues and that are obviously his, uh, his handwriting all over and, uh, doing that all winter essentially and, and having him coach me remotely through those training sessions uh that and uh so so it was great to finally be able to to talk to chad and uh and catch up also of course as i mentioned i listen to the trainer road podcast the ask a cycling coach podcast regularly so uh yeah um i think that my main takeaways uh as chad said there are so i think i agree with everything Effective training, indoor training is so time effective for most age group triathletes that uh, it's something that most of your training can be indoors and, and you will probably reap the most benefits that way as opposed to trying to do most of your training outdoors. I'm actually right now on a program where I do in summer all of my training outdoors and that is um, by the order of my coach so I obey but uh, but definitely for most I think that that doing most training I also have some flexibility in my time schedule although I'm very busy but I have some flexibility which helps so so that that's indoor training is uh, is key and power based training definitely because especially if you are a very experienced athlete yes rpe works heart rate as i talked about before in for example episode 29 training zones for cycling uh, heart rate zones uh, don't work not if you're trying to do intense intervals and uh, then what you're left with power zones if you're not confident enough that you can you're in tune with your body enough to go by completely by rpe if you go by power i mean you you will find probably that you if you do use trainer road that you will be able to push yourself past limits that you never thought possible that's what what i found at least which uh which makes it worth the investment alone that just pushing those limits those boundaries that you have so uh yeah that's uh, that's about it uh again go check it out you can sign up sign up for a month for 12 dollars or whatever it is and uh and see if it's for you and that will definitely definitely be be something that i think most of you will find very useful and help you train more effectively and uh, that's one of the core principles of of this podcast and of scientific triathlon to try to impart knowledge about how to train effectively and trainer road is uh, a massive plays a massive part in for me in training effectively myself so so i'm glad to have got this episode out Finally, I have a listener question that I want to answer that's uh, unanswered for quite some time, but uh, I'm getting to it now, so sorry. Uh, this question is sent by Eva Liedman from I don't know where, but uh, she's 50 years old, she's female, and her question is how to structure my training. I train 8-12 to hours each week, but do I do the right things at the right time? My goal is to qualify for Kona. I've been in triathlon for five years and this is my third year as an Ironman competitor. Where I can improve the most is my running, then in cycling. I swim under one hour, ten minutes uh, already in Ironman races. 
And I hope to reach one or five minutes this summer. So that is now. But uh, as I said, this has been in my backlog for quite some time. Uh, so there's not much I can improve on the swimming side. Uh, and again, this is sent by Eva Liedman. So what I answered to her was that um, obviously this is going to be quite of a kind of a generic answer because I don't have all the information. But uh, based on what she's writing about her goals and her athletic and demographic attributes, I would try to improve the running, which uh, is uh, what she can improve the most, not by increasing volume because she's an older athlete and uh, and she's a female as well. So so running can be really taxing and risky at, for that kind of athlete if you do it a lot. But by doing just a little, but doing very high quality running, uh, I think that you can get all those benefits and also, possibly, if you can, incorporating strength training, weight training, that is. So anyway, increasing volume, uh, it's a necessary risk for not enough potential benefit on the run side of things. But where you can increase volume is on the bike to get super fit on that, which will also help you run faster off the bike. And you still do quite a bit of quality on the bike, just as we just talked about with Chad, because you're on... 10 to 11, 12 hours per week. So there is room for quality, even though the volume is not going to be big enough that it's prohibitive of doing any sort of quality. And and if you choose between the two, for more advanced athletes like you, intensity is always going to be what wins, not volume, when, when you get to that more advanced uh, stage, for sure. So I uh, sent Eva... Uh, came up with a framework for a week that she might be able to use. And that is a rest day on Monday. I'm a big proponent of always having a rest day each week. Then Tuesday would be a 45-minute quality swim, threshold work, for example, CSS work, as we talked about on episode 27. And then a one-hour quality bike, maybe a VO2 max kind of bike. And then Wednesday would be a 50-minute quality run, maybe again VO2 max intervals, but on the run. Thursday would be a one-hour quality swim, maybe endurance intervals, so slightly longer intervals. And then a 45-minute easy bike, just getting some volume in and some extra training stress, but without taxing the body too much. Friday, another bike, a one-hour 30-minute bike with endurance focus. Uh, it could alternate and some week incorporate like sweet spot intervals and some weeks, easier weeks just be endurance. And then Saturday would be a 1 to 1.5 hour quality run, maybe increasing to 2 hours closer to race day. So it could include tempo work or race pace work in some weeks and then be completely an easy jog some other weeks. Or it could be something like the Squires long run that we talked about recently in my uh, episode on uh, nine great workouts that you probably are not doing. So you can go and check that episode out as well. Squires long run is one that I thought about that might be applicable for, for you here. And then Sunday would be your long ride day. If we are sticking to this 10 to 11 hours, kind of a bit earlier in the season, further out from your goal races, it would be a free hour because that's all we have with the 10, 11 hour week. But uh, but then when you get closer and get up to 12, 13 hours, then four to five hours, uh, definitely. And incorporating race intensity on some of your long rides is going to be critical as well. And um, 
Yeah, as I said, I'd highly recommend doing weight training weekly, both for injury prevention and performance benefits on the bike and the run. Some weeks, maybe you could even drop a swim because, you, as you said, you don't have much to gain. Maybe just stick to that longer one-hour swim with endurance intervals and, and drop that other shorter quality swim. So uh, maybe, yeah, another point is that you could also be doing 10-day training cycles instead of weekly cycles. This might allow you to absorb the training better and uh, keep injuries at bay. But the key points are that you should do as little running as possible for the maximum potential benefits. So drop volume on the run. Just get those key high-quality workouts in that will increase your fitness. And become really bike fit so that you can run well off the bike. All right, that's uh, probably about it for this episode. Uh, Remember to subscribe to the show so that you automatically get the show when it's released. We've had a great uh, increase in new subscribers recently. So... uh, you if you you are not subscribed at the moment you you can join those other subscribers and you'll be in the good company and thank you as well to everybody who's been sending me in emails uh marcelo for example thank you so much for your kind words about podcast uh i've answered your question in your in an email already but i'll answer your question on a later podcast episode as well that's about it for today's episode let me know what you think send me your emails uh, with the feedback and questions of course to michael at scientific that's michael with a k and the show notes for today's episode including all the links uh, to trainer road chad and uh, some uh, screenshots about what it looks like training with power and so on within trainer road will be on thattriathlonshow.com. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon. Triathlon.